Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox's Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox's Sake, episode 88. My name is Pete Selby and I'm standing outside the King Power Stadium once again with Mr. Rob Hayes in the glorious, glorious glow of not Leicester City's season, but of the sunshine. Rob Hayes. Yeah, t-shirt weather, Peter. We're stood here in the... Late evening sunshine, both got our sunglasses on, both in just t-shirts, looking forward to what will be a very average, nowhere near the heat that we've had today on the pitch. Right, I'm looking forward to it now. I have, um, I called the season possibly a damp squib a few weeks back if it all went wrong in the FA Cup and the season in the league kind of went belly up. It's kind of happened. Um, today, I'm going to call it the shopping list. Because I think if Southampton go down, there's a number of players in their team who we possibly could be looking at purchasing. Um, and we could go through them. People like Bertrand, Ward-Prowse, who might possibly stay with them because he's been there all the time, you never know, and try and get them back up again. But uh, there's a number of players, that possibly Charlie Austin even. Um, yeah, Charlie who, Austin's one that's been linked with us in the media in, in recent times as well, if Southampton go down. The problem with Charlie Austin is... Can you keep him fit? He's like a Dean Ashton, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, you probably won't be able to keep him fit, but he would be possibly a free transfer, maybe, that sort of player. But And there's a number of other ones, Cedric and uh, a few others. Um, the interesting news, which you've just told me, because we've just got here since there's terrible traffic around the ground, is the, the, the line-up. So they're going with a 3-5-2 Leicester. Um, the old 3-5-2, which we all know from the 90s under O'Neill. But the three centre-halves well, seem to be Maguire... Also, Chilwell and Dragovic. Morgan on the bench, which a, a lot of Leicester fans will be happy about. Um, interesting formation. The midfield three look to be Ndidi alongside Silva with possibly Gray or Mares ahead of them. Then on one side, you've got Albrighton. On the other side, you've got the other one from Gray and Mares. And then you have two centre-forwards called Jamie Vardy, who's captain and also Iniacho. First thoughts on the team? Couldn't really believe what I was reading, to be perfectly honest with you. I was looking at it going, who fits in where? You know, every time we've gone three centre-backs and we've wanted a left-sided centre-back, we've gone for Christian Fuchs over Ben Chilwell. Fuchs hasn't had a lot of game time recently. You'd argue that he fits better into this lineup, arguably with Chilwell as the more advanced man down the left-hand side. Have them two playing down the left-hand side together. Um, yeah, I'm very interested to see where Albrighton, Mares and Gray fit into it. I understand this concept is going to be able to allow Vardy and Ianacho to play up front as a two up front with no real restrictions. You know, if you play a 4-4-2, um, you always feel like you're missing something in central midfield these days. A lot of teams need more than two bodies in central midfield. So one of our strikers is always asked to drop in a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see if we can exploit Southampton in terms of the pace that we'll have up front with Vardy and Iheanacho. But, yeah, very interested to see where Maras and Gray end up playing. I think we think Albrighton's going to operate in a sort of right wing-back role, but neither Maras nor Gray are natural left wing-backs. So, uh, 
the one thing I like about it is the experiments. The season starts here, or should I say next season starts here, was the line that Claude Puel said before this game. And it seems that that's the way forward. Having Chilwell as one of the three centre-halves might alarm many people, but look at the way that Aspilicueta has moved from a genuine full-back position into a back three at Chelsea and done very well. I'm not saying he's the same player as Aspilicueta or any good, but it can happen in the modern age. It's something that you wouldn't think even, say, 18 years ago, under O'Neill during his last season when they had three giants at the back. Um, On this podcast, we are well-known, not defenders of Morgan, but um, we haven't been the sort of people who have been very vocal in their displeasure at the captain who lifted the trophy at Leicester and who, in my opinion, does an awful lot of good for the side in many ways, not just his performances on the field, but as a centre-half as well, is a top-quality centre-half who, of course, is prone to the old mistake which he's done recently but you're talking maybe one I think he's been quite harshly dealt with with the Newcastle second goal when we were watching it and I think our immediate reaction or yourself and Danny after the game and of course when we do record and we will be doing it again today half time and uh, full time it's an immediate reaction we haven't had the time to think about it I think both of us and we all kind of said it wasn't Morgan's fault he was part of him Maguire and Schmeichel all contributing. It looked bad on him, but I still don't think it was generally his fault all round. He was still to blame slightly. Um, he has been dropped. I don't disagree with him being dropped, but I disagree still with a lot of the comments made about him, how when it was released that he's got um, a year left on his contract or they're looking at maybe giving him a new deal. I think it would be one of the craziest decisions to let Wes Morgan go in the summer. I think that is crazy. I'd like to see him stay for at least another season for many reasons. Um, being the elder statesman of new centre-halves that might come in, possibly someone like a Gibson, say, um, who I noticed was on um, Question of Sport, actually, for no reason at all, but there he was. That, um, uh, from the world of football, that's an extremely random guest. Yeah, it was. That's what I thought when I saw him. I was like, Ben Gibson? It was like, is it, it can't be a rugby player called Ben Gibson because, you know, he's quite a big lad. But no, it was him. It was a strange guest. Anyway, I'd still like him to be at the club. I like how he's changed the lineup. Uh, I'd imagine someone like Barnes, Chowdhury, we've seen recently, might be coming on as well. Um, what are your thoughts on the recent performances as a whole and Puel's position at the club? What does he need to do? Does he need performances on the field in terms of results? Or is, does he just need to be showing um, that this transition into a more possession-based game can actually bring points? Do you know what I mean? Does he need the results between now and the end of the season? Or is it just performance-based? I think the fact that we lost the sort of top seven, six-pointer against Burnley means that results are no longer really paramount. Although Club well is very subtly changed his line now from going yeah we're battling for top seven to yeah we're looking to maintain our top half status because teams are closing in behind us which they are because when we've not picked up points at the speed that we'd have hoped at this stage of the season and other teams are really pushing on I mean look at Newcastle we we considered ourselves head and shoulders above them uh, a couple of weeks ago and now they're within a few points of us it's it's that there's those teams that are winning and winning and picking up points and closing the gap so results wise yeah, yeah, we want to finish as sort of best of the rest, really, because you couldn't even label Burnley that. They're so close to Arsenal now, Burnley, that they're almost latching onto the top seven and we become the best of the rest. Uh, results aren't paramount. Uh, the fans that are calling for Claude Puel to leave the club 
should take a long, hard look at the team that are about to turn out on the King Power turf this evening and the, the state that they're in less than 12 months on from sacking him. Leicester have got good players, don't get me wrong, but Southampton had good players when uh, when Poel was there. They wouldn't have got to eighth, they wouldn't have got to the, um, the cup final if they didn't have good players, but all of a sudden the sort of lack of continuity has upset the apple cart for whatever reason whether they're it's the quality of the manager or whatever they're not they're not very different to what they were the season before no. in terms of playing staff they're not a lot di- okay they're missing van dyke but they're not too different to the side that finished eighth now we know that the side that can finish eighth can finish in 18th it doesn't take a lot in the premier league it doesn't take a lot for a team to go from the bottom towards the top we've seen it and we've seen it with newcastle recently who i thought were very good here but I agree. I, I think it would be crazy to get rid of him now unless there is another plan. Unless a, a manager becomes available who they always wanted. That would be a, a, a fantastic thing. You know, yeah. so, Someone like, let's just say, if, if, if David Wagner was the manager that they dreamed of, Marco Silva, whoever, was the manager that they dreamed of and they couldn't get him then and now they could and they just went, OK, cheerio, uh, Claude, we'll go for this. Not a problem because they can do what they want, the owners. But for me, you need to stand by Puel, and you need to see how this team will evolve. Uh, what did he say? He's a, he's a builder, not a, a firefighter or something along them lines. OK, he wants time. You're not going to get time. But hopefully a, a nice pre-season and some new signings, because they desperately need some uh, in some positions. We'll see it in good light. But I think he does need a strong end of season, just for the will of the fans as well. Some good performances. I like this change in formation. It'd be very interesting. But we've got a game on here because... Southampton have got some good players we've listed a few that maybe want to buy they need three points yeah and they've put two past Arsenal and two past Chelsea in their last two games admittedly they lost both of those three too but they caused two alright not as not the powerhouses that they once were but they took, caused two good teams plenty of problems 2-0 up against Chelsea um, and Leicester have not really started games particularly well recently it's taken a, a going a goal down or a half time team talk to really get them turned around uh, on the Claude Puel thing, I'm, I'm very much an advocate of keeping him during the summer. Like you say, unless the dream target comes up. Puel is building something. Uh, I read an interview uh, with him and Glenn Hoddle the other day. Him and Glenn oh, Hoddle used to that. play together at Monaco many, many moons ago. Uh, and and to get that other side of him from Glenn Hoddle really made me sort of... I didn't not believe in him, but it made me believe in him a little bit more because I don't think Puel really shows the fans... The, the true him he doesn't really his passion doesn't really come across because he doesn't deliver passion in the, in the sort of medium of TV or the or the radio interviews he's very softly spoken he's not very energetic in the way that he delivers his things it, he, he does rant and rave sometime on the touchline a little bit more now he, he, he does show his emotion when they score or, or <laughs> more often than not when something bad happens yeah but he's a thinker and there's a very set way that he's trying to get Leicester to play football and I think in most areas we have the personnel to make it work let's say I'm not talking wholesale changes here but there is Deadwood at Leicester that that can move on without affecting this squad uh, in any way shape or form you're talking about the players that haven't even been in Puel's consideration but then that leaves room on the wage bill and on the list squad list whatever you whatever you call it for four or five specifically targeted players that are brought in by this manager to play this manager's style of football. If you bring somebody else in, they're going to be trying to fit 
different players in not really know how they want to play. Puel has had most of the season with this team. He knows their strengths and weaknesses. He knows what he needs to change to get them to play the way that he wants to play. And I have no doubt whatsoever that they'll already be identifying targets. And give him the preseason. Give him the bulk of next season, unless it's a complete disaster because it might take a little while for this team to turn back into life. And who knows that the new manager will be any better than, than, than Claude, you don't know. What I'm interested in and what I'm looking forward to seeing is who they attract in the summer because you know he's going to raid the French League and I think Claude will be able to attract players to the club as well as the money that we can purchase them with and that we can offer in terms of wages. I think he would actually be able to attract players to play under him. I think it would be players that we wouldn't necessarily been linked with before um, who wouldn't maybe be attracted just by the money but by Claude I think it would be a surprise um, but he does need a strong end of season some players who need to perform I think Gray's in the starting lineup tonight he needs to perform I've been a big crit- critic of him recently and I think many people have he needs to perform he needs to put a good hopefully 90 minutes actually on the pitch because we've seen that he's a decent player but he needs to put it in unlike uh, Diabate we know he's shown flashes but he's maybe for next season or even the season after um, an interesting game tonight one thing um, they released about the uh, the ground being expanded um, at Flip Flop Flyer who many people listening to this will know on uh, Twitter a Leicester fan um, listens to the podcast etc uh, he actually um found out some information or overheard some information was told by someone at the club regarding the expansion and uh, the rumour is it's a lot bigger than people think many people thought maybe just a you know 8 or 10 12 rows all the way around to make it up to you know 40,000 but apparently they want it to be the biggest ground in the Midlands 50,000 I've not told you this yet have I? No that's I, I wondered what you were going to say I thought you were going to drop, drop in a little nugget of information but I wasn't expecting this absolute ton of information 50,000 that's ambitious surely they'd consider doing it in two stages with the second stage uh, sort of subject to to performances and Premier League status etc because look at the mess we got in financially when we built this place we ended up struggling for 10 years I know it's a different scenario I know I know but but who's to say look the owners have shown their, their, their quality as businessmen and quality as football owners but who's to say that they won't like if as soon as we drop down into the championship for whatever reason, if if and when it happens, as soon. <laughs> well, who's to say? Who's to say they won't do a runner? Who's to say they won't try and flog the club? And then what? What are we left with? We're left with a fifty thousand seat stadium that we can only get half full. I think it's also the um, the fact that if we do have a fifty thousand stadium, that if England start playing friendlies away, which they are going to away from Wembley then they would generally have one here if it's 50,000 because it's in the Midlands where there hasn't been a game for ages. They want it bigger than Villa Park, etc. That's the rumour. I'm just passing on something I saw on Twitter and then I messaged uh, um, the individual just to find out what the story was. But, uh, yeah, there's the rumour anyway. I mean, there's no confirmation of that, but uh, I find that quite exciting. Who knows? Who knows what could happen? But anyway, um, back to the football. Also about the, uh, the kit as well. The big rumour is that the deal with uh, Puma has or will end at the end of the end of this season I think that's well known um, and the big rumour of course is Adidas to take over and of course this means nothing to do with it on the field but uh, an Adidas Leicester kit sounds good doesn't it the three stripes Can would you ever have imagined in the days of uh, Fox Leisure 
and then Lecoq Sportif and then Joma and Jacko and all the other Jacko jo- Joma oh uh, my god the Topps tiles on the sponsor oh no yeah they're sort of I know I know football shirts were a bit baggier those days but the sort of massive sleeve massive furry collar with uh, sort of ripply collar with the LG logo on that was Lecoq Sportif on that wasn't it can you imagine now Leicester rocking up in like a blue and gold Adidas kit it'd be mad wouldn't it we had some shockers in the early 2000s, absolute <laughs> shockers. I think the kit's actually been really good recently. and uh, So that's a rumour, and it'd be very nice as well if that happens. Uh, but obviously it's things that are on the pitch that really does matter. And uh, a big game tonight, not just because Southampton need the points, but I, again, just to go back to the lineup, I wouldn't be surprised if, if this team performs quite well in this lineup. You would expect them to play the same next time. I think it won't be. I think it will be a completely different team, maybe a different formation, just to try different things out. Why not? This is the perfect opportunity. They are. You're in a, a no-win situation in terms of if you win all your games, you're not going to go up anywhere in the league. You're not going to get Europe probably. But if you lose all your games, yes, it will be a really bad end of the season and there will be a lot of pressure on you. But also, you're not going to go down as well. Yeah, I think... Yeah, because look at the results recently. He's named the team that he's probably expected to name and a formation that he's probably been expected to, to play in and he's not had the results. So what has he got to lose by changing it? And, and if we beat Southampton, who's to say that it was the formation or who's to say it wasn't just on the day? He's got three games left, which pretty much act as competitive friendlies. Let's, our, season was, our season was effectively over when we lost to Burnley. Ultimately, that's, that, that's, that's a fact because, we, like you say, there's nowhere for us to go up or down really now. Um, it's just about having a look at players in certain positions, certain formations. Give the likes of, I mean, I mean Chowdhury impressed when he came on uh, against Newcastle late in the first half. Didn't really uh, settle in against Burnley as well as many hoped he would. But look, Burnley was the first half at least was a, was a bit of a, a write-off anyway. First twenty minutes were dreadful, but then dominated the game. Yeah, and then, but then you should should possibly really should have won really. Should have, but the result was 2-1, wasn't it? That's, and two goals in the opening 10 minutes in the back of your own net will uh, will cause you those kind of problems and knock, and knock the wind out of whatever sails you thought you were going to start a match with. But The thing is, when, when, you, when you're in this mid-table position, there's so many questions. Because you can go either way, you can go up or down. If you're trying to avoid relegation, the only thing you're, you're worried about is just finishing in 17th place. doesn't matter who's playing, doesn't matter how many goals you score. You, you just want to win and just want to finish 17th. Anything else can wait until the end of the season. When you're in, or if you're going for fourth place in the Champions League or trying to win the league, again, you're trying to do that. But when you're where we are, there's so many more questions because you're looking to go forward, you're looking at possibly dropping down and stopping doing that, you're redeveloping the style of play, you're redeveloping the squad in terms of personnel, redeveloping the stadium, redeveloping the kit. It could be a really interesting Leicester who turn up on the first day of next season. It could be a different squad, different first team than what we've seen over the last three or four years. There could be plans to turn the stadium into something. They could be walking out into a kit with three stripes down the shoulders. It could be a completely different side. And I think, and I agree with Claude, next season starts now. So we'll be back at half-time, if that makes any sense. Again, you'll be all listening to this after the game. And uh, we'll give you our thoughts at half-time and then obviously at full-time as well. Maybe a more uh, concise thought at half I don't have to go anywhere at the end of the game today. I don't have to run away. Someone's trying to get through a fence. No, it's some kind of TV guy fell over. Never mind, it is warm outside. Anyway, we'll be back at half-time and we'll have uh, Alex as well. He'll be with us. He's standing over there. Wave, Alex. 
there he is. No one can see him because it's a podcast. Anyway, we'll be back at halftime. So half-time at the King Power, quite a quiet King Power Stadium. It's goalless, and I thought Leicester played quite well first 20 minutes, knocking the ball around lovely, very fluid in midfield. Silva, Mares, Iniacho dropping slightly deeper than Vardy, as you would expect, and Gray. Some nice flicks by Silva. They worked a number of opportunities. Good football, you have to say, against Southampton. So, yes, it's not a top-six team, but they started well, and then they kind of went off the boil a bit in the second, say, 20 minutes. Southampton grew into the game, using the channels well, attacking the fullbacks. Uh, but overall, a fairly positive half, you'd say, from Leicester. Different formation than what we were saying at before the game. No idea where the back three came from. I'm blaming you, Rob Hayes, for that. But um, I'm blaming the official Leicester City Club uh, Twitter because they only they listed it as Dragovic, Maguire, Chilwell and then Albrighton. If Albrighton's playing right back, he should be the first name after the goalkeeper. OK, then, that's, uh, so you're passing the blame on, but it's still your fault. Yeah, of course I'm passing the blame. <laughs> but anyway, they're playing with the back four, uh, and Chilwell on the left, Albrighton as a right full-back. They've got the two centre-halves. I, I like the midfield and forward areas. I think it's looking good. Again, you've got technically skillful players in them positions, and they're changing over positions. They're, like I said, they're mo moving around very well. They've created a number of opportunities, half opportunities at that, they're obviously not at maximum confidence, but would you change anything at half-time? And, and what are your overall thoughts? I don't think I'd change anything. I think I'd say, look, after the first 25, 30 minutes at a push, you went a little bit off the boil, allowed Southampton to, to get a little bit closer to us, allowed Southampton to create their own chances. But the way that Leicester were pinging the ball around in the first 20 minutes, I said on commentary, it's the best and most positive 20 minutes I've seen from Damari Gray all season. Every time he got the ball, he was always on the half turn in the right direction, always wanted to take a man on, always wanted to be positive. Mara's drifting in from the right side. Silver first time balls around the corner. Ian Acho looking very good when he's dropping off the Southampton defence, working hard in, in all aspects of his game. I think there's, there's plenty more positives than negatives in that half. And, and look, look at Southampton in the last couple of games. We know they're a decent football inside. You don't score the amount of goals they've scored. All right, they've lost both the games, but two goals in the last in each of the last two games they've got attacking threats they've got a formation that works for them uh, in terms of the creating chances so for Leicester I'm, I'd say don't change anything uh, apart from turn Birch's microphone down a bit yeah well but we'll battle with Birch's mic in the commentary box with us is uh, Alex Cook but you've heard of, from Alex before on the podcast Alex again just your thoughts at half time how Leicester have looked what they put out there as a starting lineup, and, and maybe an angle on how Southampton played yeah, I think um, Southampton started on the back foot. Um, they actually uh, grew into the game, which I think is why Leicester weren't as impressive in the second half of the first half, if that makes sense. Second kind of 20 minutes or so, I would have said that, uh, that Southampton grew into the game, knocking around nicely, had a real good chance when Long burst through and tried to flick it inside, but just overcooked it. But um, the football Leicester playing is good. Ian Acho always getting the ball on half turn. He's looking really nice. He's had a couple of nice turns and couple of good touches but um, yeah I mean Southampton grew into the game as I said blocking off those efforts and Leicester just need to hold the tempo again and uh, blast them away in the first five minutes of the second half Okay final whistle at the King Power Stadium we're actually outside at the back of the cop and you can hear in the background the helicopter taking off with 
Vishai and whoever else that he's got inside of his helicopter. I'd imagine they'd have flown up from Newmarket, but no more horse racing talk for <laughs> you or your, your face. Oh. Whatever. What's wrong with it? Anyway, nil-nil. Um, everyone's gone pretty quickly. Now, first of all, boo's at the end of the game. Now, everyone's entitled to boo. You pay your money, you can say what you want within reason. Okay? Uh, my, this is my point of view. It's not the podcasts. It's not Rob's. It's not Alex, who's just uh, disappeared for a minute. It's uh, my personal point of view. Leicester, I thought, played well, very well for the first 20 minutes. I thought Southampton pretty much possibly had the better of the 15 minutes either side of half time and then I thought Leicester obviously bossed it the last 20 and were unlucky not to win they just took a deflection here or there or maybe a better ball in but really played well the last 20 minutes I mean funny I think it's very poor to boo Leicester City off the pitch after that performance I know there might be the factor of performances over the last two months or so and frustration in the crowd I can understand that but the booing was for that performance and quite often I got my headphones on and I don't hear all the boos because obviously you got the headphones on etc but I purposely took them off to hear and that was quite loud and I think very poor do you agree or, or, or what's your thoughts Rob? Oh, I, d- I don't think anybody's got any real cause to boo today's performance the only thing that was missing was the scoreline as you say I'm not trying for one second to belittle anybody who's a football fan because you pay your money you watch the football if you've been following five minutes or 50 years you've got you've got every right to your own opinion however I think there are some people who maybe will highlight and stick to the odd misplaced pass here and there the odd lack of quality in the final third that, that a few players presented on the odd occasion rather than looking at the whole performance the way that they played the way that Claude Puel is very very meticulously and slowly trying to change the way that we play to make us more dangerous. One day whether that's at the back end of this season whether it's during pre-season or whether that's the beginning of next season, one day under Claude Puel and one day soon that is going to click. That is going to click and the goal rush is going to come I have no doubt about that whatsoever. Based on tonight's performance, Leicester looked excellent for large proportions of the game. Yes, you could argue you're playing a team in the bottom three, but that's a team in the bottom three that caused Arsenal and Chelsea problems recently. I know I've said that a couple of times, but I'm trying to remind people that it's still a Premier League team who, if anything, will be harder to play against because they're fighting their own battle at the bottom. Leicester's performance tonight was very, very good. Some players put in one of their best performances of the season, I think, in a Leicester shirt. Damari Gray, namely, uh, was especially first 20 minutes. Back to the the fearless youngster that we thought we had at the club. He was busy, hardworking, physical, and looked spent at the end, which I can only say is a positive because of the the work rate that he got through in an attacking and defensive sense. I'm I'm very content tonight. Yeah, I I know, I know what you're saying, and and I know they didn't get the goal in the end. Um, I remembered a game when they played Bournemouth and they were losing until that fantastic free kick by Mares in injury time. So they got the points and then they were cheered off the pitch. There were no boos. And, and just to go back to that, I still think there is an element of people who do that, even though it doesn't matter who they're playing. If they don't win the game, they will boo in a kind of 
it's not an ironic sense, but it's, it, it, it's, it's like a jokey boo. So they might be playing Man United and they draw nil-nil and someone will still boo and then have a bit of a laugh to themselves. That's, I can understand that, but still, it was, it was very audible and, uh, and I think poor. Anyway, we'll move on from the boos. Uh, and yeah, the talk about performance, I thought they were really good. First 20 minutes, very, very fluid. Silva, um, Mares. Iniacho and Gray, lovely little flicks by Silver. Indeed, he got in there as well. Lovely little triangles as well inside the Southampton half, playing good football. Um, created one or two chances in that first 20 minutes, which they failed to convert. Iniacho had that shot where the goalkeeper was unsighted and with waiting for the net to bulge, and it just rolled past the post. A number of occasions, again, it's that final ball that hasn't been there. Vardy in the second half, one or two half chances at that and the final 20 minutes I thought they were very good. They did go to sleep really either side. There goes the helicopter. It does actually fly up towards Shepshed. I saw it the other day when I left early. Um, it then flew over my house. So there we go. Anyway, um, didn't, either, didn't land in your garden to pick you up? No, it didn't. But either side of half-time, I thought Southampton were in the game. I was very disappointed by them, what they were doing in the final 20 minutes. They, they're down tools. They're down. They are down. Um, and maybe a number of players we can look at. Bertrand as you know, possible signing. Um, people mentioned Tadic, I'm not entirely sure really, but uh, one or two possibly. But that was what we expected Claude Puel's team to be playing like in that first 20 minutes. When they've got the ball, people like Gray driving at the defence, beating players, creating chances. Players like Ndidi holding the team together, Maguire stepping out of defence as well. The final 20 minutes, exactly the same, a little bit more, not Harry Carey, but there were players all over the place really going for that three points. You could see how much it, Leicester players really cared. They cared more than Southampton players. And they were really good in that final 20 minutes. Again, just a deflection here past the goalkeeper. Um, maybe one or two crosses could have been better, maybe more than that thought the final ball was poor from a number of players, Chilwell, Albrighton and Mahrez. It wasn't Mahrez's best game in Leicester shirt at all. Um, I thought he was quite poor. He obviously got a knock in that final 10 minutes as well and uh, he maybe should have been substituted. But um, if Mahrez plays half like we know he can, maybe he could have unlocked that defence. So a positive, even though you've drawn against the team who are probably going to go down, you've drawn at home nil-nil, they're just not putting away those chances. What can Leicester do to change that? Or do they actually don't need to do anything? Do they need to play like that? Which, as you said, is some of the best football that we've seen under Club Howell. I completely agree. First 20, final 20 was, was, I thought, very, very good football. Do they need to change anything? Personnel, style, formation? Right now, no, because there's not really an awful lot of opportunity to change, but... You put you put that level of performance in and that quality of performance in in another ninety minutes. You score three or four goals. You you find a different way. You pick a slightly different pass. Each of those players is still learning how Poel wants them to play. Regardless of what anybody says, Poel's been here quite a while now in football terms. Although it's quite a short period of time in 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 real terms, if you like. Each player will learn something every time about themselves, about the about the situation, and make better decisions next time. The, the look might change. You know, I'm not blaming t uh, tonight's nil-nil on, on bad luck, but Leicester approach the next game in exactly the same way. They could very easily score three or four. So to that end, no, nothing needs to change. But I think Powell's style of play and formation becomes even more effective in September next year when he's bedded in 
players of his own, get the recruiting done early, get them playing with the current crop of players, the quality that we've got, add in the right areas with the right individuals, with the right attributes. That performance tonight was, what, bar the goal, eight and a half, nine out of ten for me in, term, in terms of overall dominance of the game and quality of football scene. You add in the right players in the right holes because at the minute we've got not square pegs in round holes but ones that aren't quite as round as Puel wants them to be if you can if you can imagine a slightly rounded square not quite a circle like a square with rounded edges are we talking about football still yeah yeah I'm going off a little bit here but then Puel's just already analysing their transfer market looking for them circles just to pop in his style of play based on tonight's evidence this is the first time I've seen Leicester sustain it over the course of an entire match we've seen it in halves we've seen it in flashes tonight was was the best we've seen and I think there's a lot lot more to come so don't change anything now bring in the right number of quality players in the summer to add yeah I, I, I agree I, I, don't, I wouldn't go as far as an eight I think it would be now in the sevens really because they did have either side of half time 15 minutes either side of half time where Southampton did dominate the game and I, I was a bit frustrated they started very slowly in the second half yes they dominated the first and final 20 I, I'd give it a 7 out of 10 um, and I completely agree with you in terms of trying to find those players because if this is the system they're playing then bring on these players I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know Barnes and that would play in the next game possibly give everyone a chance to play in these formations he'll be looking at certain players as you were saying playing it in those positions saying are they good enough and on tonight's evidence yes they are they just needed that final touch if one of them is going to go if Morris is going to go then that will leave a big mark on the team it would mean an opportunity for a Gray or Diabate to cement a role out wide it would possibly mean that they could bring another player in who would play behind Vardy I, I was I would definitely say that Iniacho today had one of his better games, especially the first uh, 20 minutes or so. He linked well, but I'd still like to see him push further forward and be more alongside Vardy, which I think we all thought would be. It wasn't going to be that person just behind. They're still looking for that number 10, but I do think that they still need someone alongside Vardy. And, and Vardy can play that way. He's always going to be on the line, on the uh, shoulder of a defender. If he's got Iniacho alongside him... There might be the odd occasion where they're both getting each other's way or take each other's run. But Vardy will still play his own way. I don't think it's going to be a bad thing. And then you can have, if you want, three centre-halves and then have five midfield. We got it completely wrong, by the way, before the game with our three at the back. Um, yeah, as soon as we uh, finished recording, we kind of had a quick look at the team and went, hang on, it might actually be a back four. So the pre-match, <laughs> three at the back, five in midfield, all the talk about the O'Neill side and all that possibly didn't work out but there you go that's what you get for doing a podcast just before um, the game and when, as the team's just been read out to you you kind of uh, half jumble it around on your head basically uh, whilst being recorded so anyway we're outside the King Power that's it for this week's podcast it's nil nil at home against Southampton but there's a lot of positives to take from the match we'll be back um, probably sometime next week or maybe the week after we'll have to wait and see hopefully you enjoy the podcast um, a little bit different these ones outside the King Power I think next time we'll probably be at for Fox 8 HQ I'd imagine yeah Rob's nodding his head um, once again you can get in contact with us via Twitter at FFSpod for Fox 8 Podcast at gmail.com on the email and go to Facebook type in for Fox 8 Podcast and you'll find us on there make sure you follow us 
and make sure you like and you rate the podcast as well if you are listening to this podcast uh, on a certain device maybe an android device or possibly a iphone then make sure you do go to itunes completely free and just click subscribe you'll see the icon on your main screen we are on itunes just type in once again for fox sake podcast and you'll find us it's the best way to listen to the podcast and you can always give us a rating and anything you want to hear on the podcast let us know any questions or absolutely anything even criticism even criticism rob i want to hear criticism what of us well yeah that's if you've got any I'm sure there isn't. Of course, there's zero criticism. That's why we've never had any. Yeah. But anyway, this uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up because we're just rambling now. So from the King Power, uh, there are a few things with the podcast coming up as well. You might have seen on Twitter, um, we've got a bit of a relationship developing with fans bets in terms of not just sponsorship of the podcast, but in terms of setting up a For Fox Sake League and also an opportunity for you to use their services which would benefit the podcast and create a bigger community with our listeners. It's something that we're going to develop over the forthcoming weeks and especially for next season looking forward. So make sure you do check that out. Again, it's not just an overall headline sponsor. It's something that they've come direct to us to try and to get hold of our listenership and create a, a big fantasy league in terms of fans bet. That's something for next season. So the podcast is growing. And again, any other opportunities, just get in contact with us. So from the King Power, that's me, Pete Selby and Rob Hayes. And we'll see you at for Fox 8 HQ in the next week or so.